Hello, listeners. Yamina here. Welcome to the Dr. GPCR podcast. This is a very special episode. We talked to Dr. Steve Ferguson from the University of Ottawa about the history of my favorite GPCR meeting. You know, you know which one? The joint Great Lakes GPCR retreat and the Club des Récepteurs à cet domaine transmembranaire du Québec. Mark your calendars for the 21st edition of this scientifically rich yet intimate meeting where I will also be present. If you are already registered or plan on coming, I look forward to seeing you and invite you to stop by my poster. This meeting is held between May 12th to 14th at Niagara-on-the-Lake in Canada. Visit this episode's page on drgpcr.com podcast to learn more and register. There is still time to join us. And now, let's dive in. Hello, everyone. This is Yamina from Dr. GPCR, and I'm delighted today to have with me Dr. Steve Ferguson. And we're here today to talk about the GPCR retreat. We're excited that this year, hopefully, uh, with uh, we're going to be able to meet again in person uh, in Niagara-on-the-Lake from May 12th to the 14th. But here we're here today to talk about a historical overview of how this meeting came to be. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you doing? Nice to talk I'm to great. you. Same here, same here. I'm glad that we're doing this. So um, I'm excited that we're talking about meeting. I'm excited about the program for this year. Tell us a little bit about where did the idea of putting together such a retreat came from? Well, you know, the retreat actually has roots that go back well before uh, the year 2000. So the original GPCR retreat was actually just a lab meeting. But it was a lab meeting between my lab, Ross Feldman's lab at the Robarts, Ron Tosic's lab, and Rick Newbick's lab. So either that we'd go down to Michigan or they'd come up to London and we'd have an afternoon of seminars given by students um, in the Robarts conference room and uh, Roche would fund a dinner at uh, Ross Thomas place. It was followed by a basketball game. And you know, the first one was 1997 when I first got to the Robarts, which was when I started to get older. Um, and in 1998, um, Brian Roth invited himself to the meeting. And so it looked like it was getting bigger and bigger. And so in, in 1999, I decided, eh, I know enough people in the field now, I can contact them, see if they'd be willing to come to a small, you know, 125-person max meeting at the Ivy School Business um, Hotel um, on the campus of Western. And um, people like Michelle Bouvier, Marc Caron, uh, Brian Roth, some leaders in industry all agreed to attend at their own cost. Um, I discovered how to fundraise. So in the end, um, I was able to pay a few keynote speakers um, way to uh, the meeting and was able to provide meals, lunch, breakfast and dinner, as well as snacks in between sessions and uh, a small party in the evenings. So it, it, was, it was a very intimate first meeting. Um, it's not considered the first GPCR retreat. It is called the first GPCR retreat if you look at the, uh, the program. But it was basically in a, a, a lecture hall that was bullshit. So everybody was very close together and it was you know, quite intimate. And some of the talks were spectacular. Han Nisnik gave a talk talking about the interaction of dopamine receptors with the NR2, um, A subunit of the NMDA receptor, um, UTN. Wang gave a competing talk. There was a fair bit of controversy around it. Um, I guess my, 
my best recollection of giving my own talk was saying, you know, after leaving a big lab like Mark Caron's, um, you know, and moving into metabotropic glutamate receptors at the time, and my comment was, when you get off a fast moving bus, you get out of the way quickly. Um, so that, that's where it started. Um, people enjoyed it. The quality of the talks were outstanding. I think what people really liked was the focus on trainees. It's always been two thirds of the people coming are trainees. Back in those days, I think registration was about 50 bucks. So it was very inexpensive. And one of my motivations for starting it was, you know, my lab was starting to get bigger. I wanted everybody to have the opportunity to travel to meetings. And going to meetings, frankly, is very expensive. Oftentimes they're way too long. Um, my Gordon comps is after about six days to be just about as much as I can take. So I sort of thought the short format over two days would work really well. And it has, it survived 20 years. So obviously there was some success in that. So the interesting part is the same year, um, Richard Leduc in Quebec had the idea of doing the same thing. Uh, so he started the Seven Transmembrane Club of Quebec and invited um, Jeff Benedict as a keynote speaker. Mark Arone was a keynote speaker, obviously, for my movie, having been my mentor. Um, and Rick called me up and said, why don't we amalgam amalgamate the two meetings? So it's been the joint meeting ever since. So that's why the second year, in 2000, it was the joint GPCR retreat. You know, there's been some sad things that have happened over the years with the retreat. We now have main lectures. You know, I, I mentioned Hyman Misnick and how spectacular his lecture was the first year. Unfortunately, he passed away uh, a heart attack later that year. And we decided it would be appropriate to uh, have a name lecture in his memory, which has continued for, for 21 years. Um, you know, we've had some fun events at the, at the uh, GPCR retreat. One of the most notable is when I got kicked out of my own meeting by the, the bartender. Uh, because I was trying to buy a blue trail or a drink and she had shut him down because she thought because of the southern accent he was drunk, which he was not. And she resented that it was an open bar. So I, other than shutting down the meeting, went across the street with about 50 scientists and we went to a different bar. But anyways, um, that was interesting. Um, we never went back there. Uh, as, a, as a colleague of mine used to say, they served uh, really nicely presented prison food. Yeah, so th this one with, with the incident with Lou Luttrell, was it uh, in London, Ontario? Yep, it was, uh, yeah, it was in London, Ontario. So four of the meetings have been in London, Ontario. One of them that I've helped organize has been here in Ottawa, 18th, 20th. You know, and then another memorable meeting was the um, the meeting in Honey Harbor, which was run by Hubert Ventol and uh, John McDonald, who's unfortunately not with us anymore. Um, and Hugh had to miss the opening meeting because that was the day of his uh, Canadian citizenship, uh, citizenship uh, try that again, citizenship um, swearing-in ceremony. And the government had told him if he skipped it again, they were stripping him of the ability to become a Canadian citizen. So he had to miss. He got there after dinner. Um, he was then dressed in Canadian underpants and a Canadian toque. Um, <laughs> And we have pictures that can never be disclosed of what happened later on in the evening. But anyways, it was also an interesting meeting because the uh, government of Ontario decided to shut off the power for the entire region to uh, do repairs to the hydro system. Uh, so John McDonald stormed out in irritation and we had to run the meeting off of generators, which uh, were in the background of uh, everybody's talks, which wasn't ideal. But, you know, we managed to, to move on. You know, unfortunately, Huber 
was killed on his way to work in 2006. So in 2007, at the London meeting, we chose to um, start the Hubert Van Toll Symposium that's gone back from being a symposium to being a plenary lecture. Um, and again, um, it's been generously funded by his, his, his late wife, Monica Sather, who is also a scientist. She looks, uh, or used to work for Pfizer. I may have that long bear, so I used to work for bear. Um, so, you know, the meetings have gone on year after year. We've had several Nobel laureates, um, most of the notable ones in the field. You know, Brian Kabilka was supposed to be at the 2012 meeting. He had to cancel on the excuse that um, he had study section, but it turns out he received the call from the Nobel Prize Committee that he was, he was going to get the Nobel Prize, um, which, you know, I think it speaks very highly for the field for the number of Nobel laureates that have actually worked on GPCRs or their effector systems. Um, so, you know, the idea is the, movie, the meetings always move between um, Quebec, Ontario, and the United States. Um, the meetings in Canada, I hate to say, are usually more successful. And, and there's one very simple reason for that. It's, not, it's, it's nothing to do with differences between Canadians and Americans. And it's the difference between the perspective of Canadian um, academic administrators in that they see this meeting as an academic training exercise for their graduate students and postdocs. And so they very generously support the meeting. Whereas my American colleagues often have to, you know, fight to even squeeze $500 or $1,000 out of their institutions. You know, to give a good example, through the 2018 meeting at the University of Ottawa, when it was all said and done, um, helped fund the meeting to nearly $15,000 in funding. The University of Toronto was normally uh, provided between nine and 10,000 as McGill. I think the only medical school outside of um, outside Quebec and Ontario that hasn't actually contributed to meaning is Queen's University of all things. But the problem is they don't have any GPCR pharmacologists down there. So there's really not much of a motivation. Um, so you know the what I'm very excited about is the fact that we will be able to hopefully have the meeting again in Niagara and the Lake. Um, not all the GPCR retreats have been on a Great Lake. Um, you know, it's hard to say that Bromont is uh, on the Great Lakes, but Montreal is at least uh, on a river that the Great Lakes drain into, so there's an excuse. <laughs> close enough. Exactly, so close enough. That's probably the history of the meeting, unless you have some you know, specific questions you'd like to ask me. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for, for giving us the, the rundown. And it's so interesting because you mentioned all of these meetings and I, I remember being at many of them. Um, and the and, and I remember you just you mentioned that initially it was three three labs and then Brian Roth invited himself. But how did he hear? Do you know how he heard about the the, the meeting and how come Brian Roth invited himself? And uh, he, that's and because he, I, it was because I, I was visiting him at the Cleveland Clinic to give a talk. And um, I was telling him about this meeting that, you know, Ross, Ron, and uh, Rick and I had. And he said, sounds like a lot of fun. I'm enjoying that. I said, okay, it's a good idea. And then we hired a couple people into Western that were GP serologists. So it, it sort of made some sense to expand it. You know, if you're, gonna, if you're going to put one foot into the pool, you might as well put both, you know, go ahead first. Absolutely. Absolutely. So and, and it worked out. And it, it's 
you know, um, we often are left with a little bit of profit, but it's moved on to the next meeting. Um, we're not incorporated. Um, I don't think we ever will be. We talk about it every year, but it's, you know, everybody's busy. It's too much of a hassle. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely. And and it's, I think it would take away from the goal of the meeting is really coming together. To me, it always felt like coming home. And as you mentioned, uh, rightfully so, that it's all about the trainees and the students. Um, we're, we were all invited to go to the meeting. It was inexpensive. And if you were in a GPCR lab, you knew that you ended up, you were going to at least one conference a year, which was the GPCR retreat. Yeah, and, and there was other advantages. You know, we never got it 100% right from the beginning, right? We've been working on it in different iterations each year, how to better involve the students and postdocs in the scientific program. Certainly yeah. the posters have always been a success. There's been some meetings where the posters are a little bit too dark, so they're hard to read. Um, you know, we tried to keep a balance between Canadians and Americans, men and women in the field. Um, you know, but, you know, we've come up with, you know, first we decided to put one student to postdoc in every um, um, symposium slot. We still try to do that to some extent. But at the Ottawa meeting in 2018, we decided to create um, a student symposium of itself that led up to the start of the meeting, the keynote lecture. Yeah. And Brian Kabelka was kind enough to volunteer to uh, to chair that. So I think that was a, a great experience for about eight students the first time. We continued it ever since, um, and it's, I think it's worked out pretty well. I think so too. I really like. I and I was there as well in 2018. Really like that meeting as well. What whenever you put together the program, you mentioned that yes, you were thinking about you know the types of scientists, a balance between Canadians and Americans. But what other considerations were you taking into account when it came to the science itself to put together a program? So, in, in, in the early days, we would have um, a committee of people who met on for, uh, informally online. Um, we also had a business meeting where ideas were tossed out for different symposium. There's certain, certain symposium that happen every year, but there's usually a symposium or two that are focused on the interests of the people who are organizing it. You know, different centers have different areas of expertise. For example, um, Michelle and Stefan and, and Terry in, in Montreal obviously have a huge interest in, in biased agonism and such not, right? So, um, these sessions, some sessions come and go, you know, there's animal models of disease. So we try to get a, a cross-section of, you know, different um, aspects of GPCR biology, you know, structure functions turn more into, you know, crystal structure as to mutagenesis as, as the field matured. Um, and, you know, Jim Wells used to keep track of how many times everybody came to the meeting and spoke. Um, I can tell you who the record holders are, or I'll just keep that to myself. Um, I used to work for one of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, so who are the record? What's the top three look like? <laughs> I can tell you the top two are Michelle and Mark Perrin. Um, they've been very generous with their time and their involvement in the meeting over the years. Um, I would have guessed Michelle. Um, <laughs> Mark, Mark Perrin, not, I'm no, I'm not sure I would have guessed that. Um, well, you know, the, the first joint meeting, he wasn't supposed to be the keynote speaker again. It was, uh, it was supposed to be Lee Limburg, but she had some uh, family issues that she had to deal with. And so I got a phone call at four o'clock in the morning saying she wasn't going to make it. 
So I turned to Mark and said, can you do this? He said, sure. Um, so, that, you know, that was good. You know, I might be up there in the top three or four. I don't know. Um, but what we wanted to try to make sure was we changed up the lineup, that we did get a balance between men, women, and students, Americans, Canadians, um, inviting in people from around the world when we could. So we've had people from Brazil, from, from Japan, from France, England, and a number of other places could get talks, which is, which is good. Um, yeah, just try not to make it the same as the Malfunk Gordon Conference. Just a little yeah. bit different. And yeah. in some ways focused on the Great Lakes region from Chicago to New York City. I think um in thinking about the top three, I think would have also said um perhaps Roger Sunahara was could could have been maybe in the top five. There. Um, Roger, Roger's up there. He certainly has the record for the longest talk. <laughs> I remember that slot. one too. <laughs> I think it went about an hour and a half through lunch, but uh, other than that, it was an exciting talk. He was presenting for the first time um, Gran Kabilka's structure that he helped uh, solve with the uh, activated form of GLS with the beta 2 adrenergic receptor. Yep. Um, his um, enthusiasm came through. I think if it hadn't been such an interesting talk, there may have been a little bit more pushback. <laughs> we would have thrown, I, I, and I, th I think I remember which talk you, you're referring to because I remember Roger being up there and talking and saying, okay, one more, but I have to show you. And you could really feel that enthusiasm and he was going through so many slides and you could tell that people were very interested, but at the same time looking at their watch saying, well, it's, it's time to go now yeah, to eat. Some people have, you know, long drives back to, uh, back to Mich Michigan from Montebello, you know, Ottawa yeah. is not close to Michigan. Um, yep. Some people had long drives to catch planes in Ottawa and Montreal to get back to the United States. But, yep. uh, you know, the, at least the, the setting at the Chateau Montebello was spectacular. And the food right. was amazing. So, you know, it's kind of nice to have a GPCR retreat where they used to have G7 meetings when Canada was hosting. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Do you think it would be possible to write up kind of a... a a review on 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 what we just talked about, you know, and then perhaps make it a white paper and share it at the next retreat. Um, I know that Terry uh, Haber and Peter Chidiak for a number of the meetings have actually written up reviews on the individual meetings. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's been done every time. Maybe it's something we should start doing. Yeah, we could try and put something together. You know, it's going to require more than just my recollections. Um, Absolutely, I think it could be a a a, a great way to collaborate and make it a, a common effort. No, we, we um, could, I guess we could put it out there to former um, former uh, speakers and attendees to send in their thoughts over the years and try to put something yeah. together that way. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to spin bias on the meeting. You know, it is my favorite meeting. Um, <laughs> I'm not very upset that it uh, conflicts with the Canadian Association of Neuroscience meeting that I should also be at. Um, which is in Toronto, but uh, yeah, you know, this is the one meeting that I've never missed. And I think for everyone in the field, this should be the one meeting that they don't miss. Um, it's it over the years, it was filled with amazing talks, poster sessions, as you mentioned, were phenomenal. In 2019, I for the first time realized that there were more industry poster talks, more companies were coming to the retreat. Uh, which wasn't typical 
in the past, at least maybe I didn't notice before that. Oh, well, that's true. That's absolutely true. Um, but in the past, we had a lot more company support. So, you know, the, the, the landscape for Canadian pharmaceutical companies changed dramatically over the last 10 years. Um, you know, we lost Merck, we lost AstraZeneca in Montreal as well. Yeah. Um, companies' uh, policies towards funding meetings changed because the rules around them changed, especially in clinical meetings. Um, but I think there's been enough progress that companies are seeing with the development of new strategies for, for screening for drugs that coming to a meeting where you've got all the experts on bias signaling, you know, many of the experts in GPCR structure, uh, I think that's that, that's a broad appeal. And it's not very expensive. Exactly. So and now we actually have some of the journal editors showing up. So you know, one of the editors yeah. signing signaling comes every year. Yes. And they, they give us a small donation and you know, it, I think it's good for the field because, you know, science signaling has really sort of become the JBC of GPCR signaling, or what yes. JBC used to be. Yes, agreed, agreed. Well, whoever will be listening to this episode, this edition of the podcast, and if they want to support this year's edition or next year's edition, hopefully, of the GPCR retreat, I'll make sure that they know who to reach out to. Um, because not only it's a fantastic meeting where you can meet experts, but you can also meet talent, all those trainees who have firsthand knowledge and experience on specific GPCRs, specific types of assays. I think it's a, it's a rare rare place to be, and it's, it's a concentrated place. If you're ever interested on GPCRs in any way, that's the place to be. Yeah, I, th I think you captured the one thing that I unfortunately missed, which I wanted to say in my head. Um, and as I talked, I forgot. Um, is that it really provides an excellent place for students and um, PIs to network and get to know each other in an informal way, um, yeah. as well as for students from different institutions to get to know each other and uh, develop relationships that hopefully they carry on into independent, successful career. Absolutely, absolutely. And this year, we're hopefully going to, to be, as I'm going to be at the retreat, and I'm hoping to uh, record live podcast episodes and tweet about it and give the retreat the um, the exposure that it deserves outside of the GPCR community. Yeah, and um, you know, Niagara Lake is probably one of the prettiest little towns in Canada or North America. Uh, it's, it's, you know, where all the Patricia Romance pictures are painted. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, it's an extraordinarily historical place because much of the War of 1812 was fought on that peninsula between Canada and the United States, and whether it's Britain at that time. So it, it, it's, you know, with all the vineyards, et cetera, it's, it's, a, it's a really lovely spot. And it would be out of a city, which is even better. Yes, yes. And it's, it's I think it's going to be lovely. I, I looked around a little bit on the map, and we kind of designed the trip, and it's going to be, you know, driving up there. And, and spending a little bit of time before and after the meeting, but definitely excited about the location and about the science. Yeah, and, and just to remind Americans, it's, it's been really easy to get to. You fly through Buffalo. Buffalo yes. is the closest airport to Niagara and the Lake. Yes, I, 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 it's very easy to get to, but even just you know driving, especially from from Michigan or or even New York, you know. Rochester, for example, getting out and uh, crossing the border is, is also a nice drive. Although right now with gas prices um, soaring might not be uh, the most economical way of going, depending on, on where 
things will be back at, at that time. Yeah, um, I think gas prices are a small price to pay to uh, support Ukraine. So yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. That's that is such a sad situation that is going on. And every time I I watch the news and I see and I see all of these things, I, it, it's just it's just a horrible situation to be in. I'm hoping it it'll end soon because people are are suffering, and it, I still find it unbelievable that it's in Europe. Yeah, one would hope to be alert from our mistakes in the past, but apparently uh, not so much. Not so much. Agreed. All right, let's let's focus back on the science. Uh, you also mentioned that uh, Richard Leduc reached out because he came up with a similar meeting. Did you ever talk about it before you you put together each of your meetings, or was it a tel telepathical relationship that you had there, a thought that you shared, and you know both meetings came up. At the same time, you know, well, the reality is neither one of us knew each other existed. Wow. Well, we might have read each other's papers, but we'd never met. And so basically, Richard cold called me. And, you know, Richard's a very easy going, easy to get along person. We've become very close friends over the years because of the GPCR retreat. And uh, so working with Richard was a pleasure. It was easy. Um, you know, there was never any kind of antagonism over who we should invite, which was good. Agreed. Agreed. I love talking to, to Richard at meetings. Every time he sees me, he's like, you're here. You're still here. What are you still doing here? Um, uh, I haven't I, I'm going to give Richard one small poke. He still hasn't spoken on a GPCR retreat, much as he's been asked time and time again. So. What? Well, he needs to. And let, let, let's send that poke out further, further out. I've invited him on the podcast. And he still hasn't come on the podcast. So hopefully this here listening to this podcast will give him the poke to come and present at the retreat next time and also come on the podcast. Yeah, well, I, I think it would be interesting for people to hear his perspective because it may be completely different than mine. I think every the goal with the podcast is really hearing what each scientist thinks about the field, about their career. And I think... It's the combination or it's the sum of all of those perspectives that make the make up for the diversity and the beauty of, of our field. Yeah, it's a good place to work. It's not what I wanted to start in, but you know, I got to Mark's lab wanting to work on transporters. So you know you're working on the beta receptor. But I came here to work on the dopamine transporter. Well, you're working on the beta receptor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, right. I haven't yep. worked on the beta receptor in an awful long time now, but uh, it, it was a good start. Amazing, amazing. Any ins and outs, any any fun stories that you want to share with the audience around the GPCR retreat? I remember I very much remember the story with Lou Luttrell because in 2018, when he told me the story, we were uh, waiting for our planes at the airport in Ottawa. And he had mentioned that you guys got kicked out of the hotel. And there was all sorts of, of funny stories that are happening there. Yeah, he, he, all he was trying to do is go get a beer for my wife. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was harmless. Um, I think one of the most famous quotes from the meeting, and hopefully you won't forgive me for, for, for repeating it yet again, was when, when he gave a talk at the first joint meeting, he got up and he said, of course, you know, I get my EGF at the same place. I get my courage. Ball. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. That's a fantastic way to end uh, this edition of the Dr. GPCR podcast. 
I cannot wait to see you in person at Niagara on the Lake, May 12 to 14. And I'm inviting everyone listening to come and join us at the meeting and uh, enjoy some, some each, of each other's company in person and the fantastic talks and, um, you know, the dinner and the drinking at the bar parts of the meeting, which also is, a, is an event in itself. Yep, um, it's coming up quick. So if you're gonna register, register yourself. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Steve. Thanks. Thank you for joining us and listening to this podcast episode. We'd like to thank our guests, as well as our team members, Attila Forrest and Ines Pinero. Please make sure that you subscribe to the Dr. GPCR newsletter, find us on YouTube, and if you like our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. You can also leave us a testimonial at drgpcr.com testimonials. Another great way to support us is to share your favorite Dr. GPCR program with your network and colleagues. Don't forget to check out and register for the Dr. GPCR ecosystem at drgpcr.com ecosystem. Email us with any questions or suggestions at hello at drgpcr.com. Until next time, stay safe.